Hello, welcome to Talking Fit. I'm Paul Rose. I'm joined as ever by Luke Morgan. And today we are joined by Anna Martin. Anna, thank you for coming on. Welcome to the show. Uh, just in two or three minutes, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you very much for having me. So um, I work mainly in group fitness and personal training and specialise in getting women into exercise. So I've been doing that for around, let's call it 10 years. That seemed, it is 10 years next week. Oh my God, that's a really long time, isn't it? And before that was a bit of uh, dancing and worked in office and all that jazz. So these days it's all about the sweat and getting everyone moving, which is just um, probably the best job in the world, maybe. So yeah. And um, I teach um, kind of all group X stuff, but community fitness predominantly. So all weights, hit, dance fitness, um, body conditioning, all that kind of thing. And then uh, PT out of a gym, mainly based around um, women's muscle mass. So yeah, it's all fun and games. So when you say get women into fitness, are we talking complete beginners never kind of set foot in a gym before or kind of done a bit, dabbled and not really sure on direction? Kind of most of the time I'd say that um, it's people that have maybe done bits and pieces like the kind of people that are doing like one or two Zumba classes a week say or um, used to do aerobics or um, so have like a basic idea of what they need to do but they want to really step it up a little bit and start feeling like a ninja which is what we all want let's be honest <laughs> yeah I'd like to be a ninja as well I'd like the outfit you say muscle mass and women's muscle mass and often i know from my experience and from what we've spoken about on the podcast in the past something that women are often very very scared of when it comes to exercise is muscle mass and kind of bulking in inverted commas so what do you mean by by muscle mass and how do you get around that kind of barrier when you when women come and see you so for me it's um, really important to ensure that everyone feels like they know um, what's going to happen and how they can best feel fit and healthy so that's always been my main focus is to progress women from cardio only classes to include resistance training as well so it depends on the degree to which the person's up for it but generally it's normally about improving basic strength and function form and technique and then being able to get to that point where they're actually excited a little bit about looking not I mean we're not I'm not coaching bodybuilders or anything like that but we're looking you know for that little bit more muscle definition and that kind of thing that initially I think people are scared of because they only see from one extreme to another whereas actually there's this lovely part in the middle where it doesn't involve having a really restrictive diet and doesn't involve having to train twice a day but where we can all feel a lot more like a ninja and that feeling of being able to accomplish that and to feel stronger and to be more independent and to have all that going on is what makes um fitness so amazing in this um kind of general female population bit in the middle that's neither an athlete nor someone who doesn't exercise at all that can really get their mental health benefits and the joy from being stronger, fitter, and a little bit more muscly with a little bit more of the gun show going on. What made you take a decision to do group fitness as opposed to the likes of one-to-one and small groups from the early days? Because um, I was already teaching dance, I think. So before this, I used to um, dance in a couple of uh, street dance crews and for um, sports teams, like kind of, random cheerleading and stuff like that so I'd always been part of like teaching and learning in a big group and um, so it went straight in with Zumba to be honest because that fed in from dancing so after that then I suddenly realized there was a whole world of group exercise that I didn't know about that was just as fun as teaching dance but potentially for me had a bit more longevity in terms of career so then I fell in love from there with a the dumbbell and actually I love PT and I've gone through, I've been, tra um, I've been PTing for probably about nine out of the 10 years, but um, 
there's something about teaching a large group and being able to reach a large number of people at one time and then you can progress them on with PT as an addition but being able to have all those people there uh, well not at the moment obviously but um, in normal life having like you know say anything from 20 people to 100 people in a room going nuts for fitness is quite something amazing so tell us about the transition because there is quite a big difference between group exercise and one-to-one so how did you go from the 20 to 100 people to one person at a time um it for me it was just an, an educational progression to begin with so i finished doing um, a lot of my group x courses and that kind of thing and then just wanted to get into the nutrition side and then that fed into the pt but um it is in terms of moving people from one to the other i think once you've built up relationships with people they're quite willing to move training wise because they trust you from being in a big group to then going one to one and i normally because predominantly i'm interested in like resistance training i normally focus on um like either taking it as formal and technique sessions or building on from what we're doing in class so that it's a progression or kind of an addition to what we're doing rather than to take over from it if that makes sense because i'm not really i don't really want to watch someone on the treadmill for 20 minutes so i prefer to just do all of the weight stuff and then they can carry on doing their group classes for their cardio and their additional resistance training but it is quite nice having that all-round thing where you have kind of like a hand in their entire fitness journey so you're you're there for the cardio and you're there for the fun and the dancing around and you know choreographed hit or whatever and then i'm also there for watching the deadlifts and the squats and the sort of slightly more intense stuff so it's nice it's nice to be able to be a part of someone's whole journey because you generally encourage your your one-to-one clients to to use kind of the group X and the dance based stuff and you know, that kind of side of things as their cardio as opposed to just kind of plodding on a treadmill for hours on end. Yeah, definitely, because the motivation of being in a big group makes a big difference to a lot of people. Um and having that kind of camaraderie from other people, the energy of having people in the room and having other people there, not watching you because that's not what they're doing, but that feeling of, oh yeah, you know, I really want to keep up and I'm going to get through the next bit is um, is quite different in a large group compared to maybe trying to do that on your own. Also, I do, most of my clients do tend to come from some kind of dance background or dance fitness background in general. So it has kind of all fed from one to the other, really, I guess, because I talk a lot about dance fitness on social media. Then the kind of people that reach out to me are people that are coming from there that then want to start looking at resistance training and changing up the way that they're working out. So a lot of your clients from a dance background as well. Yeah, some of them. Yeah, like um, I get quite a few people come into classes who used to dance as kids and that kind of thing. And then being able to continue dancing, but in a kind of dance fitness environment, it's just a nice way to keep that going. And I also coach at like a few other group X instructors and that kind of thing. So it's nice to be able to have clients from different places. One of the things I like that you do is you don't just do the classes, but you host workshops and you bring other people into those workshops too to work on a technique because i imagine in a group exercise environment is it's not even possible to look at every single person's technique and modify is it it isn't you can give it a certain degree of guidance and pointers and you can do certain things but you are limited whereas with the workshops that you take people on and the one-to-one i think that's something you do that not a lot of other people do um yeah i think for me it's really important as well because there are certain things that obviously I can't do because of my back Um, so things like deadlifts I can do but I wouldn't um, ever consider myself an expert because it's not something that I'm able to do week on week on week on week Um, and therefore I wouldn't consider myself someone who would be an expert at coaching other people to deadlift so I definitely get someone We've done things like that for like deadlift workshops and so on with someone who actually does do that every single time they train rather than just relying on me 
it probably does it like once a fortnight or once every three weeks when my back's not being a being an idiot so um i think it's it is really important to bring that all together and to be able to say to my clients like this isn't my speciality but this is someone else's and they can come in and then they can help them lift in that lift better in the class and it's the same with pt so you can cultivate someone's technique from group x relatively well then you take them off your pt it gets better they come back and other people vibe off that as well because they're all interacting and talking about um how they can make that lift better together so then the education spreads as well so i think it's all of it's nice from that point of view because it all feeds in from one to the other and helps people to get better collectively i suppose you've almost built really built a culture based on that haven't you yeah, I, I hope so. I hope, like, I didn't want ever want it to be so that people felt that they had to come to my um, classes or they have to PT with me, otherwise they can't do it. I always want them to feel like they can leave and they can go away and they might be able to teach their husband how to do it at home or their wife how to do it at home or whatever it is. I, and then they come to me because they want to come rather than because they can't do it any other way. So I think that's been, that's, and the way that they then talk to each other about it is, nice because they'll be like oh did you know that you didn't have your shoulders down or whatever like they'll be like kind of like egging each other on a little bit which is nice yeah i always think if a client relies on a coach to be able to do anything then the coach isn't doing the job properly because people should learn something be it be it exercise technique be it nutrition yeah. whatever it is they need to learn something to become self-sufficient otherwise you're it's just an expensive babysitting service, essentially. Yeah, 100%. And like, it's the same with all um, the guys that I do nutrition for and stuff as well. So I don't ever, ever want to be in a position where they can only stay fit and healthy and eat well if they're having a check-in with me once a week. I want them to actually love it and to be able to make their own decisions rather than messaging me to see if they can substitute kale for broccoli or something like that. I want them to be able to make their own choice and be like, Do you know what? you know tonight's pizza night weigh it up you know rather than having to constantly check with someone else so yeah it's really important because people shouldn't feel beholden to one person or a brand or a product they should be able to make a fitness or a health decision for themselves so i think that's really important those fundamentals you you kind of expect on people but more you hope for people to make those those right decisions for themselves because I spoke to Paul in the past and I've spoken to you multiple times about it. When someone's dependent on you, as you just said, they're only going to be coming in whilst you're there. Yeah. I'm sure you've had clients in the past who you might have only had for a little period of time. It wasn't that real connection. And you might see a picture of them on social media a few months later and they're straight back to their old ways. Yeah, and it, to be honest, even um, when I first started training, and I would have that with clients who would come in, work out really hard with me for that hour, we'd talk about their nutrition, and they'd kind of make not a deal with me, but they were going to try and do this or try and do that, and then I'd come back the next day, and it would be exactly the same situation as it was the day before, and I think as you kind of, I don't know, channel your process over the years you kind of get used to saying to people well actually we're probably not going to work that well together or um you know this is what i do if it's not for you that's fine um because i only want to take on people who really want to do it how i want to do it um so i mean obviously there's some flexibility isn't there because you have to be able to change your approach and that depends on the client but yeah definitely um over the years you do have to kind of filter people almost to make sure that they're going to get the best out of you and you're going to get the best out of them. So it definitely does make a big difference to them if they have someone who's approaching it, how they will work for them. Yeah, definitely. Because it's not just the way that Luke puts it, that you might see them a couple of months down the line and they'll have lost everything. Sometimes you'll see someone a couple of months down the line, a couple of years down the line, and they're in the best shape you've ever seen them. And you think, wow, what have they done? And all it is, it's not that you were doing anything wrong with them. It's just that they found someone that was a better fit or they found a system that was a better fit for them and worked better with their lifestyle or with their way of thinking. And, and ultimately, if you're doing your job properly, you need to encourage people to seek that if, if you think that that's, that's what's going to be best for them. 
Yeah, definitely. I think, like, especially with um, nutrition and fitness, it's a bit different with rehab and stuff because you have to do a certain thing, otherwise it's right or wrong. Whereas with nutrition and fitness, there's a million ways that you can get someone into good shape. Um, but it just has to be the way that's going to work for them and in their mind. So, um, yeah, I think, but you get to a point doing where your vibe does attract your tribe. So I think they're... Um, kind of attitude and that that you put out there generally brings in people that want that yeah if someone doesn't get your sense of humor they're never going to stick around and ultimately like i'm not getting anyone coming to me looking for dance fitness um and if they ever saw me dancing there's good reason for that um but yeah it's exactly like you say your vibe attracts your tribe like people see you do things and think oh that looks quite cool maybe i'd like to have a go at that that's what they're attracted to it's it's not simply fitness it's that particular approach to to fitness and to health and to, to lifestyle and whether they think they can make what you're doing fit into their everyday yeah definitely that and it is because though then you can open up their eyes to other different sides to fitness or to nutrition just because that they were attracted to that one entry side of what you do or you know one little section and then when they trust you and they see the rest of it and it's that is what makes i think uh, fitness and nutrition really exciting is being able to open up someone's mind to the possibilities that they might try something a bit different so yeah what a cool industry <laughs> <laughs> and you mentioned your back um, and luke kind of filled me in a little bit before we came on but just tell us a little bit about your back issues, I guess. Okay, so I've got scoliosis, which is a lateral curvature of the spine. And um, it's, I think I want to call it about roughly around two forty-five degree curves, which is like significant-ish, but not quite tipping over like surgery level. Surgery level's about 50. So I do need an upstate x-ray. But um, yeah, I've been seeing Luke every fortnight for four years. So that makes a massive difference to the muscle tension because otherwise it just gets angry and it feels like it's a giant corset. So, um, yeah, but I have had some kind of physio or therapy every fortnight since I was, I want to say 14. So it's quite a lot of people touching me. But yeah, it's been, um, yeah, it does pay a massive effect with uh uh, fitness and stuff and with my job but over the years getting stronger and getting more and more into weights and technique and working on that balance has just literally been life-changing because it did used to play merry havoc with quite a lot of stuff to be quite honest but actually at this age now with it being more stable and in a lot less pain it's fairly manageable most of the time just to step backwards quickly why don't we luke if you kind of just give everyone a scientific overview of what scoliosis is and how it often affects people. And then Anna kind of subtitle, fill in between the lines, fill in the blanks with your kind of personal experiences to what Luke's describing. Okay. Okay. So we won't go immediately scientific because I think we'll get really yeah. turning off and get bored. But as Anna said, it's natural curvatures. So essentially your as your spine if you look at somebody from the side on you've got a natural curvature of the neck upper back and lower back so we've got cervical thoracic and lumbar which is the bottom area everybody has that but if you look at somebody from behind you'll get the side curvatures and scoliosis so whereas most people you look at them and it's pretty much straight you start getting these side bends um essentially what you get with that is a lot of muscle imbalances so if you have a curvature to the left from the very bottom, so if you're looking at the hips up, you'll get huge overdevelopment in muscles like your quadratus lumborum, um, your erector spinae. So, you know, back extensors, side benders and things like that. And if you work up upwards on the chain, your ribs may, may, may appear displaced at times. Um, and as you go up towards the shoulder area, again, you're going to get imbalances within where your shoulder blades are, where your scapula are. So it's really important, not only if you're spasming and stuff, which is 
pretty much the reason why you start to see me, isn't it, Anna? You're having spasms. If you're having spasms and things like that, then hands-on treatment can be really beneficial. Um, but in order to strength, get it stronger and live with it, that does come down to the self-management, which I think Anna's done really well, especially over the past sort of probably five, six years, would you say? Yeah. Or less? Yeah. yeah, so taking control of it, you've worked with some great coaches over the years who have really focused on strengthening those imbalances. But one thing to say is, four years might seem like a long time or however many years you've been having hands-on treatment. A lot of people claim that scoliosis is reversible. Quite often you see it on YouTube, like follow our six-week program on how to fix your scoliosis. It's not as simple as that because you're looking at structural changes. It's not, you're not looking at something which is an injury of a muscle and all of a sudden, bang, you've got scoliosis. It's the way you develop it when you're quite often during sort of you know the age where a lot of changes happen to your teenage years um so yeah it's very different for everyone you can get uh lateral curvatures where it goes from left to right so you're creating almost an appearance of balance and then some people they'll pretty much steer to one side so yeah i've mentioned a little bit about the imbalances but Anna, do you want to expand a little bit, if you if you don't mind, of course? Yeah, so, I mean, I found mine when I was a teenager, um, and I just, I remember vividly being sat there on the floor watching Neighbours, and I said to my mum, I was sitting with my hands on my back, and I said to my mum, mum, I can hold my spine in one hand and not the other, and she went, don't be stupid, come over here, and then she made me bend over and touch my toes, she was like, ah, oh. <laughs> so then she called the doctor and obviously they referred me to the hospital so I had to wear a, a massive brace for uh, probably about three years so that's like basically from waist like just below the waist um, up to the top of your back that was all through school um, and then for the majority of the time it stabilised after that and then like Link said I went through a period where I had quite bad muscle spasms so I was medicated um and that was when i was dancing so that was probably about i want to say about 10 years ago and was actually one of the reasons why i changed to fitness because dancing made it a lot worse and actually zumba at the time was the thing that i was like well this is kind of like dancing but i'm just not trying to shove myself on the floor to like do break dancing or having to twist it was kind of all sensible movements obviously because it's for general population so that made it a lot more manageable and that kind of made fitness seem a lot more appealing but yeah i mean occasionally even now the spasms do come back but their pain management is much better having lifted um for such a significant period of time so i think it's about six years properly with a real deep focus on it for about the last four and a half um, and that's made so much difference in terms of um i think aesthetically um, from appearance um, in terms of equilibrium as well and then just huge improvements in pain management um, even though I will never stop having um, some kind of whether we have we massage or we do, like, do stretching and stuff we, sometimes we have to do exercises depending on what I've annoyed at that time but um, all of that stuff will stay there but if I can be in this amount of pain for as long as possible that just makes it a lot better because you mentioned deadlifting and kind of luke described quadratus lumborum and spinal erectors and a lot of other muscles that are really really important when deadlifting basically being inhibited by scoliosis and i remember from years ago when i did my pt course deadlifting was kind of like oh someone's got scoliosis just don't do deadlifts so Obviously, you've found a way to do that, and more often than not, the PT courses don't tell you anything close to the full story, certainly not the basic ones that you do when you start off. So how, presumably, when someone first suggested deadlifting to you or first um, demonstrated a deadlift to you, you would have been a bit kind of, oh, I'm not sure about that. How did you kind of get from that to being now where you're just like yeah I deadlift every two or three weeks 
Um, well, with things like deadlifts and squats, I still only do high reps. So I wouldn't ever be like, oh, or even if it's a weight for a high rep, but I do lower rep sets just to take the strain off my lower back. So it might still be doing six sets of six, but they wouldn't be, it wouldn't be like and the actual weight I could squat or deadlift for six reps. It would just be kind of more practice reps. What um, The thing that has been, for me, pivotal was learning how to hip thrust properly. So where that I remember the first time that I ever went to do a hip thrust and I cried because it hurt so much. I had to go home and I cried in the car all the way home because I felt pathetic that I couldn't. It was only 20 kilos. So it, it was a tra- the bar and then training plates. Um, and it was her- like awful painful. And it just keeping focusing working on that took two years probably two years of hip thrusts coming back to it every time it wasn't in pain and pushing it up to around I reckon about 50 kilos at the time so that was two years to get it up 30 kilos without being in pain so it has been a really really long process so now I do and the majority of my heavy lifting is still on um, fixed resistance machines and hip thrusts so I push the hip thrust up and then deadlifts and squats I do more in terms of practice reps and function. So my deadlift is much better, but I'm never going to be someone who can deadlift three times their body weight, like because I'd probably ruin myself for life. (laughs) So I just do it in terms of, I want to be able to do it. I want to be able to say that I have that function. And I think it's important because just because I can't deadlift super heavy, it doesn't ever mean that I'm not going to need to pick stuff up as a human in life. So I think functionally it's important for me to keep doing it even if it's not to like peak performance. You mentioned you went home after hip thrust and 20 kilos. Do you want to tell everybody what you do now? Uh, so I PB that uh, my highest so far is 157.44. So that's, it's getting up there. I want to get up to 200 kilos, but it's been slowed down a bit by coronavirus to be quite honest. So <laughs> I'd like to pick that back up a bit harder next year. So the message is perseverance. Yeah, especially in the early stages where you feel, and a lot of it is fear, because I was scared that I was going to hurt myself and I and a little twinge made me feel weak and pathetic. And I remember all of those really significant emotions where you just feel like you can't do it because you're just not able. Uh, but little by little and having patient coaches and also learning to be patient with myself um because scoliosis is really up and down like one day i could go in the gym feel like an absolute ninja throw loads of stuff around and just feel great and the next day i could be going in there with my hip feeling awful um and you have to be flexible with your training approach so even if i go in there thinking today's big lift day like sometimes it's not and then i have to just do that tomorrow and then do like higher rep work and um practice sets and that kind of thing I think it's important for people to hear that though, because so often people won't try lifting weights because they'll just go, oh, I've heard it's dangerous. I'm going to hurt myself. And particularly if they've got pain somewhere and especially back pain, they'll just go, no, I can't lift weight. I've got a bad back. It's going to make it worse. But then here you are and there are plenty of other people with similar stories who will talk about how you can use lifting weight to reduce pain to manage pain to okay like luke said you're not going to eliminate scoliosis but there are other issues you can eliminate with with lifting weight or at least reduce symptoms of significantly um and i think that's kind of the message that is getting lost somewhere um i don't really know how it's getting lost because as i say there are so many people with these kind of positive stories but yet there are still so many people who will shy away from going in and doing resistance training because of a fear of injury or making things worse yeah i and i can totally appreciate that because i probably would have um thought that before i started doing it and so i do understand that there is that fear and that that it's a huge intense emotion to feel when you're walking into a gym that you're not going to be able to do it and that you're going to fail and then you're going to hurt yourself but i think i've stood there and been the muscle spasms that i used to get were so strong that it used to make me feel so panicked 
that if I had this now at like 20, I don't know how old I was, probably 27, 28, what the hell I was going to be like in 16 years time. And it, to be quite honest, it scared the living crap out of me. So I would have literally tried anything to not feel like that. So when people were saying things like, oh, well, if you had stronger glutes, if you could do this, it would be better. And I was like, well, let's just do it. Let's just see if I can get stronger glutes and then see if it can feel better because nothing could have felt as bad as it did at that time. I used to have to take all of the prescription medication so that I could dance. And then I used to smash in a couple of Red Bull to combat how bad the tramadol made me feel. And like that, you can't live like that from 27 to 68 or 78 or 88 and expect to come out at the end of it. So I just literally would have done anything to not feel like that to be quite honest and I think when you see tiny improvements and you think actually like I made that happen and it was possible so then what can I do on the next thing and then you'll have a setback and then you'll cry again and you feel like crap and then you'll try again and actually it'll be a little bit better and you just have to I think when you have something like scoliosis it isn't just going to get um loads of pain and then much much less pain and that's just how it's going to go it just goes up and down and up and down and up and down and it depends on the day um so once you can kind of get your head around that and there wasn't anything uh in terms of my particular case anywhere where i was going to cause a massive injury it was just uh, muscle spasms and that wasn't necessarily because there was anything wrong it's just because that was what my body had learned to do so um, yeah, I think like mentally you have to get your head around it and also not panic when it does hurt and then that makes it hurt less because you're not panicking as much and like tensing up and then making it worse. So it's just about finding coping strategies, I think. I think that's the same with a lot of things. Like you, you describe it as kind of a bumpy road if you like rather than just going from pain to no pain you've got all that everything in between it's the same for someone who's trying to lose weight it's not just going to fall off overnight they're going to drop they'll probably drop quite a lot at the start if they're doing things well just by making small changes and then it will slow down they might put a bit back on and that's when people often drop out but persist with it and it will go down and it'll come up again a bit a little, a little bit and it'll go down again and the same if you're trying to build muscle or get stronger or whatever it is it's not just going to be a straight line it's going to be that kind of undulation and there'll be good days and good months and bad days and bad months and it's just part of the process exactly yeah. I do think it is a process that, yeah it is true and with anything with with weight loss like you say or with just general nutrition no one is perfect all the time and no one has zero pain all the time and no one trains like an athlete all the time everyone has fluctuating things and stuff happens in life like you can't go through life having this perfect time people will have loads of crap happen to them and then they'll ride it out and then their fitness levels will get better after that um and you have to just become um and that's what i try to communicate to my clients is that you're not it's not just a case of oh you've got on you're getting fit and things are going to go really well for you now stuff happens in life like we lose jobs or um, our circumstances change and your mental health might change but by being able to be flexible with that and say yes i'm having a crap day but i'm still going to do a 30 minute workout or my body's still worth making sure i'm going to eat seven portions of a veg even though i'm definitely going to smash in two pizzas like it's just about trying to find a bit of equilibrium because it isn't just one or the other in any situation yeah it's just not an end goal is it really it's, it's one of those things where there isn't a definitive you know point of yeah i've made it it's a it's a continuous process constantly looking for progress and i suppose with the experience that you have you're just getting better at managing it yeah definitely i mean like this even over lockdown i, I had one muscle spasm as you know but rather than panic, I just ended up laughing at myself because I was just on my hands and knees on the floor and I couldn't go anywhere. And I live on my own. So I was just like, well, you've got a choice, baby. If you're going to stay here on your hands and knees on the floor for 12 hours until someone notices you're missing, or you're going to have to pull yourself up onto the wall and shuffle towards your bed. So I was like, well, come on. Um, and I think because you kind of get used to the cycles, you can cope with it and you stay a little bit more chilled and therefore it doesn't get as painful because you're not 
like egging over egging it in your head as well so yeah do just getting used to these things right so we talked about scoliosis we talked about group fitness and you said you've been in the industry 10 years now do you want to talk us through your new venture and how you're trying to help other coaches so um basically i make up most of my stuff myself for my group x and i teach all the same people every night of the week so i have to make sure that i teach a ton of different stuff so just because of that one day i thought well seeing as i spend all this time making up the stuff for me someone else may as well make use of it and so i started a website it's called um, amf world and it's for other group x instructors or pts to um subscribe and get uh, group x content so it's white labeled fitness content normally you pay for branded stuff but this they can use for whatever they want um, and they don't have to tell anyone that they're using it but it improves their freestyle make sure that they've got the resources that they need to be able to create their own content rather than um, constantly purchasing it from a branded concept and um, it focuses on upskilling the education especially around resistance training because our group x qualification in general only covers four to five exercises with dumbbells or uh, four to five bodyweight exercises so it leaves group x instructors with quite a significant gap in terms of where that they could progress their education to and actually if they don't want to do a pt qualification where do they go because that is the only well the only real step and unless you want to buy a branded concept with barbells and so on which it are also awesome but if you wanted to go freestyle, where'd you get that education from? So that's basically what the site is built around is allowing group X instructors to create bespoke class solutions for their clients. So yeah, it's fun. It's got a bit of everything in there. We do like resistance training, dance, fitness, aerobics, step. And it's not just me. I've got uh, three or four other presenters who all create stuff for it as well. So it helps um, instructors to fit in their content around the branded concepts that they choose. They might teach something like cover size or um, I don't, uh, Zumba or something like that. And then they can add in these freestyle classes like glute activation classes or um, like dumbbell workouts or hit or whatever it is, but they can call it their own thing rather than paying for a license from a branded concept. So that's been quite fun to build up over lockdown. Well, no one's got a job. <laughs> Yeah, it's a pretty unique thing. How many videos have you got on there now? Uh, 1,005 so far. Wow. Yeah, we just hit the 1,000 mark, so it's been quite fun. So some of them are technique videos, so helping people with their teaching and coaching points to delivering Group X, because it is obviously different from PT and someone, so you do need to have those open cues rather than specifically directed at one person. And yeah, and then a lot of it is con content. So either adjustable content or like ideas for choreographed stuff, that kind of thing. So yeah, it's been fun. Most of it not filmed in my living room, thank goodness. <laughs> like all your lockdown workouts. Yeah. <laughs> Got a hole in my carpet. It's quite huge now. Sure you had the same problem, didn't you, Paul? I'm filming everything in the shed at the moment. <laughs> 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 yeah, I, I like that idea. Um, so like you say, everything, not everything, but so much in particularly in group exercises branded, you've got the likes of, oh, I did some stuff with um, Beachbody and Insanity years ago. Um, and the, the really big one in group exercise, obviously Les Mills. And yeah. They're, I mean, I've never worked with them, but they seem to be very, very restrictive in what they allow instructors to do. It's kind of you pay for this program, you do this program for this set amount of time with this equipment only in locations that have this license. So you don't really have the scope to go out and, and personalize and do your own thing with it. So yeah. for like you describe it, an instructor who kind of wants to do a bit more than that, but maybe doesn't want to go down the full PT route or is working another job and doesn't have the time to be coming up with their own programs and stuff to be able to take something else and just learn it and put their own brand on it could be a really useful, really powerful tool for them. 
Definitely, and the majority of instructors, um, level two ATM instructors and group training, they do do their level three PT, but not because they ever want to personally train, but because they want that extra level of education. So even though technically they are a PT, um, they might not be utilising it in terms of a service that they offer. So being able to have that knowledge and then come and then see how you can put all that together in a group situation, um, hopefully where the website sits and it's not that I have an issue with branded concepts at all because I think they're amazing but if you want to just fit little bits and pieces in around the stuff that you're already offering to pay a license fee to teach two 30 minute classes a week is you know bearing in mind that most license fees are somewhere between 15 to 30 pounds a month it's quite a lot of money to pay if you're paying four or five license fees a month so it ends up paying like £150 a month just to be able to teach before your insurance, before all that kind of thing. So, yeah, hopefully that's where we sit. And also opening things up again, because we have all got used to saying, what shall I teach now? And then Googling branded concepts, but actually are qualified to make their own stuff up. That's the whole point of their um, group training qualification. So, yeah. Yeah, it's just, I think being freestyle, having a mixture of freestyle and branded is definitely... It goes back to what we said before about the kind of your vibe attracting your tribe. If you can make your own content, then you can put your own stamp on what you're offering your clients. And then it's just a much more unique experience from the consumer point of view as well. Because generally, like if you go to a body pump class in Fitness First, it's going to be the same as a body pump class in Nuffield Health. You know, the instructor will be delivering it slightly differently but the actual content of the class is the same yeah. if those instructors really want to show themselves off and their clients like that instructor as a person then this is kind of more of a more more a way forward for them more expansive for them and they can yeah, like say put their own stamp on it and do their own thing with it Definitely. And I think as well, because um, in terms of some gyms who are completely independent and don't pay for large licenses or community fitness venues and small um, boutique studios and that kind of thing, that perhaps they want to have stuff that they can call their own name or um, fit into their own personal brand. And if you can do that and then you can have little reminders of what content you can put in, then you get to create, like you said, bespoke classes that are completely for your own clients. So I think that is important, especially for independent instructors who work in community fitness. Yeah. And a lot of the branded um, stuff now, they're starting to move towards uh, towards, uh, towards virtual or kind of on-demand home stuff. Like I know Beachbody aren't supporting group exercise anymore. It's kind of if you've been paying for the last five years or whatever it is they've been in the UK, you can carry on with the content, but they're not giving anything new. Les Mills now are doing a lot of stuff where it's like they'll film it in Auckland and just beam it out around the world live. So the gyms don't need to pay instructors in all the various different places. So if you're an instructor, you kind of need something else as well. And from a, if you're someone attending the classes as well, you might not want to do stuff in front of the telly or a virtual class in a gym. A lot of people go because of that interaction and because of, because of again, what we said earlier about feeling that kind of sense of security and wanting to know that they're doing things right and that they're safe and having an instructor in front of them, correcting the technique gives them that safety net, that sense of security. And I mean, in terms of Group X as well, one of the biggest benefits is their mental health and the community spirit in that class. And I think whilst virtual is amazing and I love delivering my classes virtually as well. And I think it is incredible that you can attend a Les Mills class or a Zumba class from a whole other country with a whole international presenting team where you are without leaving your living room. I think it's brilliant. But um, there are a lot of people that do need that face to face and do function better in that larger group environment. So even whilst we're kind of a little bit more restricted in terms of numbers and all that kind of thing um, after the issues that we've had this year, um, 
it is still really nice to think that you know in a few weeks or a couple of months that people will be back to that face-to-face fitness that they really need in order to keep them motivated because everyone functions differently with fitness and some people are really independent and can just follow along and they'll just work just as hard and other people just don't get that unless they're stood there being poked by someone there's a reasons why they're doing it as well isn't it if they're doing it because of a social motivation side then obviously face to face is gonna work significantly better than just watching it and doing it themselves yeah. whereas other people who you know very clear on what they want to achieve they might not rely so much on that social interaction yeah definitely um kind of back to the scoliosis a little bit so yeah we talked about that kind of fear factor going into a gym um what about when you first started teaching classes i mean presumably it would have been more when you were teaching dance was there ever a kind of did that hold you back at all did you ever think oh god what if i have a spasm while i'm teaching the class or anything like that to be honest before when i first started dancing and then until just before i started teaching fitness I didn't really have a lot of problems with it. It was painful and tight and uncomfortable and all that kind of thing, but it always had been. So it wasn't really any different to how it always had kind of carried on. And then all of a sudden I was actually working in an office and I picked a packet of plastic teaspoons up off the warehouse floor and my back went into spasm and I couldn't even lift my foot to put my leg in the car. Um, and then I, that was the first time that I'd ever really thought, oh crap, this isn't always going to be quite so straightforward. But um, in terms of teaching, I think because I previously was an auditioning dancer, so um, that was probably worse than teaching because I always had to remember to stand up really straight and um, I didn't wear like backless tops to the audition. I was hoping that I'd be able to fool them so they wouldn't notice and that kind of thing. So um, I think that was probably a little bit more, I was more thoughtful about it then. And I do also remember starting to teach in a studio with a mirror and coaching something. I can't remember what it was. It might have even been a bit over row. And then looking sideways at myself in the mirror and going, oh crap, you can see that a lot more than I thought you could. And that kind of sinking feeling when you just say, actually people can notice that outside of your body. And I remember putting my hoodie back on and thinking I will keep this on for a bit. But um, after a while, you just have to get over it. So I have got um, a rib hump, which I think is less prominent the more weights that I've lifted. So the muscles have kind of made that look a little bit more even if it's not structurally more even. But um, yeah, I definitely remember it being more visible and being a lot more paranoid about it when I was younger. But I think you have to sort of end up swallowing that. That must kind of getting past that sort of self-conscious, paranoid kind of feeling must help you when it comes to clients as well, though, because yeah. that's something that a lot of clients go through when they, they come to a class for the first time, a PT for the first time, a gym for the first time. It's that fear that everyone's looking at them, they're doing things wrong and people are judging them, they're, you know, they're not in as good shape as other people and everyone's there watching them and laughing and being able to kind of empathize with that yeah something you can really use to to both your and their benefit yeah i mean i think that it's that's the thing to always remember is that people aren't coming to you because they feel really confident in what they're doing and they just know that they want to make some steps towards making a change but um everyone's coming from a different point and often it is fear whether it's nervousness about being in a different social environment or because that they're not sure what their body is capable of or their fitness levels are capable of it's just being mindful of that fact isn't it and trying to um, make it inclusive make whatever you're doing inclusive and help people feel successful i think i remember a lot at school wearing a, a back brace and that being i was so worried that someone would notice and the layers of clothing that i had to wear to cover the plastic and to try to hide it from everyone in my class and I remember a boy punched me in the stomach and he nearly broke his hand because obviously it's just rock hard thick plastic 
And I was like, yeah, I can't really pass that off as my abs, can I? <laughs> I was like, this is a sad day. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I mean, I totally get it, that feeling of paranoia and just nervousness. So yeah, it does make a difference. And I think trying to remember how you felt with that kind of thing is important in making other people feel successful in what they're doing. Aside from kind of pain management and stuff like that, and trying to hit a 200 kilo hip thrust, what kind of like fitness goals do you have? What would you put yourself into one of the typical sort of gym brackets as the aesthetic guys, the strength guys, you know, those kind of things, or do you just kind of go with the flow, do your own thing? Um, I'm definitely in the aesthetic camp. So their goals are gigantic muscular quads. This is the current goals I want to get because I'm kind of lanky. So I want to get um, that really nice quad step. That's the goal at the moment. Um, so first of all, it was sort of all glute strength and function really. And now, yeah, a little bit more aesthetic and also a little bit of strength. But obviously that's not something that I can go to mental on the hip thrust. I can push as hard as I want. It makes absolutely no difference now. But um, that's the only lower body lift where I can really go. I'm trying to think of a non-sweary phrase, but I can't. So I'm just going to go really hard on. Um, so, yeah. And up, yeah, I'm definitely on, in the aesthetic camp, I'd say. I like looking and thinking, I've got an extra centre on my bicep. Happy, happy days. This is it. So any aspirations for like shows or getting on stage or anything like that? Or is it just for your own personal satisfaction? Just for me. I think I, I competed once um, and it's fun, uh, but I'm sort of more about doing it for me, really. I think just I do it because I love it and because I like to see what I can make my body do and what I can make it look like. But it isn't necessarily about trying to look a certain way if that makes sense it's just like my quads really don't gain muscle very easily but is it possible for me to make that happen so now I really want to make that happen because I just want to see it's like having a an old car that you're trying to tinker with isn't it and I just want to see if I can get a spoiler on it (laughs) (laughs) according to Ross Edgley it's the intrinsic motivations that are more successful in the long There we go. According <laughs> to a lot of people, including him. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, he's just the one that I've recently read. I, I can't remember who he was quoting. Um, Anna, thanks very much for coming on today. It's been really good having you. Uh, where can people go to find out more about you or to have a look at your, um, like your online content, anything like that? So thank you very much for having me. It's been very lovely. Um, If anyone wants to train or do some online workouts, it's just Anna Martin Fitness on everything. So YouTube and uh, my website and so on. And then the instructor website is amf.world. So that's where we do all the sweaty class stuff together. So yeah, um, either or come and play with me on social media. Luke, same question. Uh, for online content and stuff like that, uh, Zen underscore anatomy on Instagram, Zen anatomy sports therapy on Facebook. Um, and for real life advice and help and stuff like that, visit www.zenanatomy.co.uk. And I'm at Poros PT across the board and porospt.com. And we are at Talking Fit Pod on Instagram. Thank you very much for joining us today and we will speak to you very, very, very soon. Goodbye.